Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Tonight, my guests are Drea Humphrey and Andrew Chapados. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Cue the theme from Jaws. It is back. Yes, Jonathan Yaniv, a.k.a. Jessica Yaniv, a.k.a. Jessica Simpson. Well, he, she, it is still trying to get unwilling female estheticians to wax his male genitals and... After striking out at the BC Human Rights Tribunal, Yaniv is now seeking justice in a real court of law. <laughs> Drea Humphrey has all the grotesque details. Holy backflip! Mega entertainment giant Disney is discovering that going woke with its Marvel superhero films and its Star Wars franchise is suddenly not as lucrative as it used to be. Andrew Chapados will explain why being uber-woke for Disney is thankfully losing its appeal. And finally, we get your letters. We get your letters every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses regarding my commentary on Air Canada's ludicrous Wuhan virus safety protocol regarding the Wuhan virus, which is to say passengers are forbidden to stand while the aircraft is grounded because they are more susceptible to getting the virus if they're upright as opposed to sitting? And no, I swear, I'm not making this up. Those are your Rebels, now let's round them up. Drea Humphrey here with Rebel News, and I'm here to report to you the latest of the never-ending saga that is Jonathan Yaniv. Except apparently it's no longer Jonathan Yaniv. In fact, it's no longer Jessica Yaniv. You see, the individual who takes pride in extorting immigrant women who won't shave her male genitalia to earn a living goes by the name of Jessica Simpson now. You can see the new surname here on the recent civil court document where Yaniv is now suing three of his previous esthetician victims again. I guess it doesn't matter to you, Yaniv, that he lost already. 
due to his disturbing conduct against the hardworking women and was condemned by the judge of the BC Human Rights Tribunal just last year. Nope, Yaniv is out for blood, suing his victims to pay him back the $2,000 each that the judge ruled Yaniv paid to each woman due to the conduct against him. It's hard to keep up. Yaniv, the changing names on paper, it really doesn't change the sort of individual predator Yaniv is, no matter how many times he changes his name. But that isn't what the appearance here today was about. This is going to be a long and crazy video with lots of twists and turns. But would you expect anything less when we're dealing with Jonathan Yaniv? If you'd like to see all of our coverage about Jonathan Yaniv and his reign of terror, please go to yanivtrial.com. Now, Yaniv was here today for not one, but two other reasons that showcase just how dangerous of an individual he is. The first appearance scheduled today in room 100 at 9 a.m. was to be for the assault against my colleague, Kian Bexty. Kian was simply reporting and asking a very simple question from a distance, I might add, and Yaniv trotted over and pummeled Kian right in the head in front of this very own courthouse in Surrey, BC. I'm not exactly sure what is worse. Is it that or what happened to David Menzies when he was hacked over the head with a pink metal cane? You're going to I know. Don't touch me. How is this person not already locked up? And joining me now to discuss this further is Drea Humphrey. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Drea. Hi. I'm glad you're not behind bars. <laughs> yeah, it'll take more than just five police cruisers to haul me, Andrea. But, you know, speaking of someone that should be behind bars, you know, Drea, as always, there are so many angles to any Yaniv story. But let's begin with this inexplicable name change. What in blue hell is he trying to pull here by appropriating the name of the famous singer and actress? I don't know. Maybe he thought since she's not as relevant as she was at some point that he could just kind of ride her fame a little bit. I don't know what he was thinking. It was, it's not generic at all. If I was going to change my name, I would have come up with something, you know, a little bit more unique than Jessica Simpson and something that wasn't already taken. But Yeah, it, it is a mystery. I mean, maybe is he hopeful that when anyone puts in the words uh, Jessica Simpson in the search engine, uh, expecting to see a woman and someone who is beautiful and someone who is uh, talented. Uh, instead, they get Jonathan Yaniv, who is neither of those three things. Uh, I, I, I don't know. But, you know, what, what's more important, Drea, what I find fascinating is this idea that he, he is pursuing this litigation against these uh, spa owners um, through a real court, not a kangaroo court, such as the BC Human Rights Tribunal. Now, he already lost at the BC Human Rights Tribunal. In fact, incredibly, uh, the BC Human Rights Tribunal actually awarded damages to the people he went after, and so they should. But the point is, Drea, the benchmark for the burden of proof and how a court operates, it's so much lower at a human rights tribunal, he's going to a real court. Is this thing going to get thrown out in a New York second or what's going to happen? 
Well, it better, but the problem is this isn't New York, it's BC, so you never know. <laughs> to to lose in court and and then to try to get the money back that you were ordered to pay, it's like, why don't you just give up? I mean, I can't get inside the Yaniv's head at all. Like it doesn't make any sense at all. And these poor women, like, just leave them alone. How much more do you have to victimize them? <sighs> you know, and I, I couldn't help but notice, once again, Mama Yaniv, uh, they're kind of like Batman and Robin in a grotesque sense. <laughs> She's always there as his sidekick. And, um, you know, he's really put on a bit of weight. Uh, I, I know a lot of us have been inactive because of the shutdown with the Wuhan virus, but I'm trying to think of this through the Jonathan Yaniv thought process. Uh, is, is he perhaps pregnant, Drea? I mean, several months ago, he tweeted out that he couldn't go swimming on a certain day because he was ex experiencing his first menstrual cycle. <laughs> I'm just wondering, is this guy crazy or is he just pretending to be crazy well i don't know one thing i did notice though i didn't quite notice how much weight he had put on until you just pointed it out but <laughs> he mama yaniv seemed to be wearing almost matching dresses i don't know if you noticed oh. that it's like <laughs> like you said batman and robin but two different colors so that was one of the things I picked up on right away, you know, maybe florals really in or whatnot, but it was the same length, almost the exact same pattern. And is he hiding a baby bump? I guess he'll tweet about it soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I know our colleague, Sheila Gunn-Reed, she always points out that I think Jonathan Yaniv is in his 30s. And for someone in his 30s to buy the kind of clothing that a woman uh, maybe in her 70s wears. It, it seems really strange if he's trying to position himself as a fashion plate, but this is all incidental stuff. One of the things I always try to get an answer to, Drea, and I don't expect that you have an answer, and if you do, uh, this might be the, the scoop of the month. It's always about following the money with every story. And this person doesn't seem, as far as I can tell, to be gainfully employed and yet he's got all kinds of money and all kinds of time to pursue uh, cases that, as far as I can tell, are no hopers. Where is the do-re-mi coming from when it comes to this uh, Yaniv clan? You know, that is such a good question. Who's paying for all of this, especially if you're losing and, and you think you have enough funds to try again? Uh, I would love to know the answer to that question. I don't know, maybe fell into some inheritance or something like that. I can only guess at that, but I like don't think the money's going to fashion or anything like that. So maybe <laughs> up everything, or it could be Serb. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, you might be onto something with the inheritance. I never see Papa Yaniv, and I'm sure he must be a proud father of that, of that son. But the other thing too, uh, on a serious vein, Andrea, uh, is the fact that um, throughout the Yaniv saga, there seems to be a double standard when it comes to justice being enacted against him. He's gone on a website and bragged about having an illegal weapon. Uh, he has assaulted Kian. He's assaulted me with a weapon. He's made multiple 
false 911 police reports, including a month ago when I confronted him and his mother outside the Pantages Hotel and actually said I was pointing a gun at him, at his mother, uh, a handgun that is, and that the only reason I wasn't arrested is that when the police showed up, I threw the handgun down a sewer grate. Well, Dre, I can tell you this, not only does the handgun not exist, there's no sewer grate outside the hotel either. What I'm getting at is why is this guy getting away with such nonsense that any regular person would be fined or even criminally charged if they were making, doing and saying these outrageous things? Yeah, and to add to that is, you know, the inappropriate um, propositions to to young girls yes. as well. I think it has to do with political correctness. I think you he, he's getting away with a lot because um, he's portraying himself as a transgender woman, but a lot of transgender people don't even buy that act either because of how much he victimized women, victimizes yeah. women and immigrant women at that and putting them out of business and, you know, going after little girls and all of this. So I think it really just has to do with the whole political correctness thing. And that's why uh, Jonathan's gotten away with so much so far. You know, I, I think you're right. And, and I think the majority of trans people who, you know, whether they're wanting to live their life uh, as a male being a female, a female being a man, whatever, uh, I can't see them want you know wanting to rally around this particular individual as a symbol of their community one last question it's on the positive side drea i noticed that unlike the nonsense uh sheila and kian went through in terms of dealing with the sheriff at this courtroom that was quoting fictional uh, regulations to bar the media from cover from coming in and covering the trial you didn't run into any of that did you no, I didn't. They treated me the way they should. It was it was very easy. Um, I got in there. They knew who I was. Yaniv tried to wave the cops over in the beginning. They didn't really care. And inside, uh, one of the sheriffs said, no, Rebel, Rebel News can be here and kind of put him in his place. So it was really nice, actually, to see them behave like that. And I don't know, maybe they watched the Rebel coverage and thought, no, yeah, we just <laughs> act appropriately now. Yeah, maybe once they saw that we called their bluff that you're banning us for, as I said, regulation that doesn't exist, uh, we're not going to bend the knee to that kind of nonsense. Well, Drea, I hope you'll be going back to the courtroom when the Yanivs are back in. I think the vast majority of people, regardless of what uh, politics you embrace, want to see justice enacted uh, against this particular uh, individual who is so odious. So thank you so much for covering this trial, and I look forward to your future reports. Okay, thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much. And that was Drea Humphrey in Vancouver. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Disney is ready to de-woke its studio and purge themselves of social justice storylines, according to insiders. Disney, who owns Marvel, Star Wars, ABC, FX, and way more than that, is apparently done being woke due to declining movie sales, merchandise, and fan dissatisfaction. I don't want to play with you anymore. 
In its 2018 financial report, Disney reported revenue for their consumer products division was down 4% from 2018 to 2017 and down almost 16% from 2018 to 2016, which includes Star Wars and Marvel Comics and products. Executives don't want to leave any chances anymore, and they are going to focus on two things only, money and what the fans want. Now, if you're asking, why weren't those the focus all along? Well, the answer is obviously, shut up, you fascist. As reported by writer Matt McGloin, this news is from a reliable source who has broken news on leaks from everything from Star Trek movies and the well-documented saga of drama from Brie Larson, who plays Captain Marvel. She is very woke, if you guys didn't know. So woke, in fact, that she previously stated that she's so sick of being interviewed by white guys. The 100 highest grossing movies in 2017 were white males. Less than a quarter were white women and less than 10% were unrepresented men. Only 2.5% of those top critics were women of color. And as you can imagine, white guys make up a pretty large portion of Marvel fans, and they didn't find that as being like the coolest thing to say to them. Larson and other studio employees have been causing a lot of woke-related issues for the studio for a while now. Here's Captain Marvel herself saying that she regularly texts with Samuel L. Jackson about hating the people she works with on set. You and Sam Jackson have been traveling all over the world together. Yes. And is, I would imagine that that's fun. Oh, it's the best. Does, does you text each other? Of course. You do? They deal mostly with people that we hate. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. I won't even ask you who yeah, those people are. Yeah, we're pretty stealthy about it. Because, but there are people that you mutually hate. Of course. That would mean, <laughs> because I am a detective, I'm going to say you know those people from the movie King Kong. Uh, well, we've done three movies together, uh -huh. so there's a lot of people to hate in three movies. I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think this is the message that Marvel wants to spread to children. That's not all, of course. Why would it be? Star Wars director Ryan Johnson and star John Boyega called their fans, quote, man babies, and said that they didn't care about their opinions at all on Twitter. Not to be outdone by these two was Star Wars writer Chuck Wendig. He called the fans white supremacists because, of course, they are. Disney allegedly had a virtual meeting recently to explain their new approach, which unsurprisingly includes not insulting or antagonizing the fans. And hopefully, no more political messaging will be involved in the scripts. And I know we are all praying that that means getting rid of that robot from Star Wars that reminds everybody of Leslie Jones. Well, lo and behold, it seems that the sci-fi and comic book demographic, which is predominantly male, by the way, has had it up to here with Disney wokeness. And it looks as though Disney is less enamored with the PC force feeding too, if only for one reason, declining revenues. Hey, that's no surprise really, folks, because behind that joyful Mickey Mouse costume is a bean-counting barbarian. And joining me now on what is most certainly great news on the fantasy front, should it come to fruition, is Andrew Chapados. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. You know, it's always great to be here, David. Um, <laughs> I'm just so excited whenever I get to be on camera with you. Oh, well, thank you so much. <laughs> now, you know, there is a saying, Andrew, um, go woke, get broke. I don't think we're ever going to see uh, Disney, the Leviathan entertainment giant that it is, enter into Chapter 11. However, those figures you mentioned in your commentary, um, especially that one of uh, Disney declining sales uh, from 2016 to 2018, down 16%.
those kind of numbers get attention, don't they? For sure. And what we're seeing across a bunch of corporations is the get woke, go broke thing. So I believe Tim Pool coined that. I'm not sure. But it's a journalist. Uh, you might <laughs> want to check him out, David. But this is happening all across these different industries. We've seen it with Goodyear <laughs> recently. Yep. We've seen it with Red Bull, uh, who actually fired their people for being too woke. And now we're seeing it with Disney. Um, as you mentioned, the sales are down, merchandise is down. People are sick of the uh, the storylines that don't make any sense in the canon of the videos and of the storylines. So they're trying to take characters away. Now I've read that even uh, Captain Marvel, they've gone as far as, and this is going to get pretty nerdy, but de-ranking her power. So they're <laughs> making her no longer the most powerful superhero. They're making other more popular characters more powerful than her. And interestingly enough, um, just before we film this, the star of one of the Star Wars movies, John Boyega, he's the black guy who plays one of the stormtroopers. He's a really good, good actor. He has recently accused him of being racist and not knowing how to write a black character. So that's certainly going to be uh, bring a lot of joy to Disney's front offices. I think. Well, and you know what I found fascinating in your piece, Andrew, is that it was Ryan Johnson and John Boyega, yeah, um, being. Um, unnecessarily harsh to their fan base. Mm -hmm. uh, there was the term man babies uh, being used. I mean, talk about the, the biting the hand that feeds. W what, are they, what are they thinking? I don't know. I think they got into this Hollywood echo chamber where they think this is the norm and everybody talks this way and everybody thinks this way. Captain Marvel herself, Brie Larson, also said that she doesn't want to be interviewed with, by more white people. And guess what? Um, most Star Wars nerds and all Marvel nerds I'm going to go ahead and say 75% of them are white guys, just population-wise in North America and the yeah. Western world. So I don't know why you would just go out and bash your fans like this. She was talking about how she uh, talks to Samuel L. Jackson about hating her co-workers oh. all the time. Uh, it, it was appalling, the, the, the feeling of entitlement. But, you know, I, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a comic book reader from decades ago, and, and I'll be the first to say that traditionally in yesterday's decade, um, comics weren't too minority, uh, diverse, if, if you will, um, almost every character was a white male. And then there was this period, uh, Andrew, in the 70s, where they kind of jumped the shark. They were introducing more black characters, but which is good, but it was in an exploitive way. So DC had Black Lightning. Marvel had <laughs> Black Goliath. Look, just call him Lightning. Just call him Goliath. It's not Caucasian Daredevil and White Spider-Man, right? And but and now it's we're, we're at a point where we're reimagining characters, uh, traditional characters, instead of um, re, you know introducing new diverse characters, which I think is the route to go. And to bring it full circle, Brie Larson, you had a clip of her making that speech where she was complaining about the number of visible minority mm. women. Well, two things there. One is, well, Brie, as a um, entitled rich white woman, why didn't you decline the role of Captain Marvel? And B, Captain Marvel, believe it or not, in the 80s, there was a brief period where that character was a black female. So. Uh, you know, why not lead by example instead of taking these mega million dollar contracts and then decrying how racist everyone else is? Well, they d this is how it goes. Even in colleges and universities in the United States when they're complaining that there's not enough diversity, the white kids, which is always white Democrats, 
They, they don't want to give up their, not my space. I'm not going to give up my privilege for this. We all have white privilege, but I'm not going to give up mine. That's crazy. It's the same thing with these actors. They get up in the award show ceremonies. They thank everybody and they say, you know what? There's not enough diversity here. Well, then give up your job. Give up, uh, give up your salary. Give away half your salary. Yeah. And to your point about the um, black characters and other characters, uh, there was people who complained about Black Panther being so popular. If young kids need or want a black character to look up to, that's fine. Like, you shouldn't have a problem with that. It is, though, the, the reimagining where you're forcing it. That's what people don't like. And I think the best example of that is Ghostbusters. Oh, you know, th th that, that's a fantastic example. But, you know, even in the print product, and I mean, th this kind of breaks my heart as an old comic book reader, is that... Once upon a time, and there's a great book called The Untold History of Marvel Comics, and there's a story about the, the writer was in hospital as a child in the early 70s, and the DC superhero comics that they left out for the kids were in mint condition. Nobody was reading them. The Marvel comics were so tattered because they were being so read by the other kids in the hospital. Now, um, Disney looks upon comics almost as like sort of a... Uh, a burden, uh, you know, uh, and and you can tell by the, for the most part, that they're horribly written and even horribly drawn. Uh, really, the money is in the movies and the merchandise and the video games and so on. But, I, I mean, it, it just, uh, you know, I'm not sure uh, what point I'm making here, but <laughs> other than the fact that the content, um, the, the, the root content, I should say, for all these mega billion movies is being neglected, A, and B, it's being done in a way, Andrew, where they turned Thor into a woman. Uh, Iron Man was a black female teenager. Um, it's preposterous, and, it, and to the fan base is not responding. Well, from what I understand, maybe it's different from the Archie and Jughead days of your time. <laughs> but, um, that they... Jughead, let's not get political here. Wow, unbelievable. <laughs> David Menzies, everybody. Um, from what I understand, they try to use the comic books now as a testing ground for new characters because that's where the hardcore fans are. Mm. And they come up with their stupid social justice characters a lot in there and then see how the hardcore fans like it. Now... When they do this, though, and when they change characters from black to white, let's say, or white to black, sorry, um, that's the being more diverse. But if you do it the other way, it's cultural appropriation or it's yes. whitewashing, like Mulan or any given character. I think it should be just stick to what the original story is unless it makes sense. If the race of the person doesn't matter to their story, then it shouldn't matter yeah. to, to viewers. But a lot of these stories have 30, 40, 50 years of backstory and yeah. the, to just immediately change, like if you just change Mulan, that's an ex a good example. If you change Mulan to be a girl from West Hollywood, that doesn't make sense because she's Chinese. But the actor playing yeah. them, I don't think that should matter. No, you're 100% right. And and up until now, they were very preachy about this um, reimagining. I remember when they made for, Thor a woman, uh, you know, they went out of their way to say, this is not she Thor, this is not Lady Thor, this is Thor Thor. Correct. No, it's not. Thor's a dude, not a chick. One last question, um, Andrew. They're saying, and at least the source material you referred to, is that this dewoking process is going to kick in, primarily because A, it's bad for business, and B, the traditional fan base is not responding, which makes it even further bad for business. Do you think Disney is going to put its money where its mouth is? We're going to see a return to tradition and not be so politically correct 
with all their various properties ranging from uh, Marvel to Star Wars? I think, well, first of all, the source that is used in that article, the guy himself is ridiculous. I'm not going to lie. If you look into the guy who, who says this stuff, he wears, like, a helmet when he does his videos. But he's been proven to be right on previous leaks. Like, he's got a source inside of Marvel and Disney that has been proven to be accurate in the past. That's having, good. having said that, do I think that they're going to actually change? I think it'll be progression over time because you see a lot of these things happening. Um, the one Star Wars movie where... It was all women, and one of them with pink hair in charge of the the <laughs> fleet, which made no sense. These characters came out of nowhere, and the, the <laughs> actions they took, all of a sudden, they're just light speeding through through other ships. Like, if that was possible, you've just ruined the whole movie for all of time, because they could have just been doing that from the beginning. But are they going to keep going in the direction they're going to go? I think they'll slowly turn it back. Like I said, these characters and these actors, you can't keep making fun of the fans. You can't keep calling everybody racist. Another one of the writers for Star Wars, I believe, was called uh, a bunch of their fans white supremacists, oh as you God. will, as is natural. But I think they're going to have to slowly start doing away with it, or else they're going to face the consequences. People didn't like the last bit of Star Wars movies. They've got 75 different um, <laughs> Spider-Man characters out right now. Same with Batman and DC. Yeah. And DC seems to be going in the direction where it's more gritty and less woke. People hated Justice League. They hated the last... Um, Superman and Batman movies, and they're going away from that. They're going back towards like the Christopher Nolan style. I know that you and I both like of yep. Batman Begins and such. So I think it goes in waves. Uh, I can't speak to the 80s because, um, you know, I was barely alive, if that. 19, everybody, remember that. <laughs> but what, in the early 90s, they had Batman was pretty gritty. Yep. And then they had Tim Burton, which is a different kind of dark. And then they went super cheesy with... Um, Batman and Robin and Batman Forever, remember? Kiss, oh, yeah. Kiss from a ro Rose on a Grave, your favorite Seal song for <laughs> Batman Forever with George Clooney and Arnold. Almost killed the franchise. Yes. Yeah, and so, let's not forget the bat costume with the embedded nipples. Exactly. Uh, so know. they changed from that to Batman <laughs> Begins and Christopher Nolan. And then they went back super crappy and cheesy and woke. And I think it'll swing back. And it's... Uh, I hope you're right, Andrew. Listen, a great commentary. And yeah, let's see if uh, Disney is serious about this in terms of the dewoking process. Because you see, whether it's comic books and comic book movies or science fiction properties, I think these are forms of escapism. We're trying to leave the awful politically correct world in which we live. We're trying to get entertainment not to get preached to. So come on, Disney. Put those phasers on fun, and let's get on with it. And yeah, nerds, I know phasers is a Star Trek term, not a Star Wars term, but, you know, just go with the flow. Keep it here. We'll have more Rebel Roundup right after this. Send him his Archie comics. <laughs>Here's the deal. My cameraman Mocha and I were on a flight to Thunder Bay from Toronto a few days ago. The flight was jam-packed, every seat taken, so, so much for social distancing. Alas, we could not land in Thunder Bay due to fog, so the pilot pulled a U-turn and brought us back to Toronto to refuel and retry our landing later that afternoon. We were on the ground at Pearson for more than half an hour, so passengers began to get out of their seats and stretch their legs. That's when a flight attendant, assuming the tone of a kindergarten teacher lambasting her naughty students, gave us all an earful via the public address system. 
we were told to return immediately to our seats due to COVID-19 health precautions? What the? Gee, that Wuhan virus, he's such a smart cookie, isn't he? It can tell when you're standing or sitting, and it takes umbrage, apparently, against those who dare to stand for whatever reason. Now, when the flight finally did touch down in Thunder Bay, I politely spoke with the flight attendant who made that announcement. I just wanted to know what difference does it make if a passenger is sitting or standing in what is essentially an immobile, hermetically sealed aluminum tube. And here's how our conversation went. Thank you, take care. By the way, I was just gonna ask you something. Yeah. There was an announcement not to stand up when we landed because of COVID-19, but I'm wondering in a packed airplane where we're sitting, how does it make any difference? It's just what the company tells us <laughs> yeah. to say. Oh, really? Yeah, it's in our announcements. Okay, because yeah. it's, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, just, I know, it doesn't make sense. It's like, this is a really our... smart virus that can tell if you're sitting or standing. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Policy. Okay, so I reached out to the Media Relations Department of Air Canada slash Jazz. Here's their statement, quote, As a result of COVID-19, our onboard procedures have been adjusted to limit movement around the cabin and to refrain from congregating in aisles and galleys for the safety of our passengers and crew members. Our policies and procedures are developed with guidance from Air Canada and Transport Canada regulations." Does that make any sense to you? Again, once you are confined to quarters in a very confined space like an aircraft, how does standing or sitting make any tangible difference? Weird, as in weird science. Is it just me, folks, or do you think the authorities are just pulling stuff out of their collective butts these days when it comes to the Wuhan virus rules? How else can you explain the Air Canada sitting-standing rule? In any event, here's what you had to say about a policy that seemingly makes no sense whatsoever. Tony Demania writes, Australia has a curfew because the virus can tell time and only comes out at night. (laughs) Yeah, Tony, and don't get on the wrong side of those Australian cops these days. I hear they are even raiding the homes of pregnant women who have the temerity to organize antivirus restriction rallies. Crazy. ZTPI writes, I feel bad for the flight attendants having to walk through all that COVID-infested air above sitting level. Gee, you know, I never thought about that. I hope they are getting danger pay. Or do you think that the Wuhan virus recognizes their uniforms and realizes that these folks are hard at work and therefore don't deserve to be infected? (laughs) Who knows? Kenneth Malenchuk writes, David, perhaps you could also mention that the Wuhan virus is also afraid to infect people whilst they are eating, drinking, exercising, or swimming. Indeed, and it also tends to give a pass to mass congregations of people attending things like Black Lives Matter protests. Funny that, eh? Frank Rustico writes, aren't you standing when you're talking to her? Yeah, right, you are, Frank. Say, how's this for a new Air Canada deplaning policy? Ladies and gentlemen, when exiting the aircraft, please ensure that you are crawling on all fours. Jeff Taylor writes, 
I will now use a wheelchair everywhere I go just so I can keep sitting. I'm more determined now than ever to outsmart that darn Wuhan virus. Brilliant, Jeff. Does that mean you can now legally park in a handicapped spot too? Maybe there is a silver lining to this pandemic after all. And Tame Thing writes, it's like a network of nutcases are testing populations for gullibility, laughing at the compliance and asking, gee, I wonder what we can get them to do next. You know what, Tame Thing? It really does feel like that on certain days. When, oh when, is this Wuhan nightmare going to end? Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.